So this is week two in Battle Ready. Last week, um, I, I try, I'm, trying, I'm trying to tell you, to remind you of something without going through the whole story again. So if you weren't here and I say this, and you're like, what in the heck does that mean? You need to go back and listen to week one because it's probably worth it just for this one story. I told you last week that I used to sleepwalk and that one night my mom saw me sleepwalk naked. Remember this story? I know you, you had, how many of you had counseling this week to forget it and I just brought it all back for you, right? Yeah, so, um, so I told you that, you know, it was, it was bad enough that my mom saw me do all this stuff naked, but what would it have been like if I had been walking down the hall sleepwalking and I had woken up in that moment and saw my mom was seeing me naked, right? That's even like a whole nother level of horrifying for both me and my mom and now for you vicariously because you're hearing the story again. But I told you this, I said, you're going to have those moments when you wake up and realize that there's a fight going on all around you. You're going to kind of be like, where did this come from? Because last week I said to you, you know, the one thing I want you to get from last week was that you're in a fight. So, I'm not super smart, nor am I a prophet, but my guess is that this week, a lot of you had moments where you went, holy cow, that's what he was talking about. Like, I am in a fight. What? Where'd that come from? You've kind of had that, hopefully you didn't actually wake up naked <laughs> sleepwalking, but you've had that moment where you realized I'm in the middle of this fight and, ah! So, if you're smart, you came back today on week two and you were thinking the whole time, I got a problem, I'm in a fight, and today my pastor, because he's an awesome man of God, is going to tell me how to fix it. And that's where the bad news gets worse. Because I'm not. That's next week. <laughs> next week, like, we'll talk about the enemy and we'll expose some of his tactics and some of the ways that he attacks us. Today, though, we're going to talk about our king. We're going to see our king. See, some of you, um, you've kind of got this, get me out of this as fast as possible. And I totally understand that. But victory never comes from studying the enemy. Victory comes from seeing your king. Now, just, you don't have to turn there. Just make a note on your note sheet. 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a, a, a really curious story of Elisha. And he's with his servant. And Elisha is on the run. And there's a, a king who hates Elisha. And he sends his armies after Elisha. And so in the middle of the night, Elisha and his servant, just kind of picture this, this cabin. They're in a cabin and they're sleeping. We'll say it's the shack because that movie's coming out. So um, they're in the shack. And in the morning, it says in the Bible that the servant got up and he went outside. Now, we don't know why he went outside. He might have gone outside to water the horses or maybe to unwater himself. Who knows, right? Um, whatever you do in the morning. So he walks outside. But when he walks outside, his, the blood just drains from his face. Because the Bible says that he saw enemies lining up the horizon. They were all there to kill him and Elisha. Have you ever been outnumbered? It's not a good feeling, right? Um, I'm thinking of, now this, look, flashback. But, but um, how, when are people outnumbered? When you're a liberal on Fox News, you're outnumbered. When you're conservative on any other news outlet, you're outnumbered, right? Um, if, you're, if you're, I don't want to say old, but I'll say it. If you're old, and I'm, I can remember this too. If you were a Christian on the Donahue show way back in the day, you were outnumbered. If you've ever shown up at school for a test and you weren't prepared, 
you felt outnumbered just because it's like the whole world's against me, right? You just, that feeling of, oh, I'm dead. That's what that servant felt. Now, listen, here's what I want you to get, okay? And I'm, I'm doing a lot of work to get to the message, but just trust me. So Elisha's servant did what any one of us would have done. He turned around and went inside and shut the door and he said, I'm paraphrasing, trust me, I'm paraphrasing. This is not in the Bible. Please don't be offended. He said to Elisha, oh crap, we're dead. <laughs> I think in the Hebrew that's what it means, but they translate it nicer, something like, oh Lord, what shall we do? You know, something like that. But... <laughs> and and now what I want you to get is this. Now, I'm going to say some stuff today that in, it's in the Bible and you're going to have to go back and look this up and see that I'm not making it up, okay? What Elisha prayed, he prayed something. And here's what he didn't pray. Oh, Lord, help my servant to study the enemy. Help him to know the way their weapons work. Help him to understand how fast their chariots are. Help him to be able to count the infinite number of horses around us. He didn't pray that. He said, Lord, open the eyes of my servant that he might see that those who are for him are more than those who are against him. Victory does not come from studying your enemy. Victory comes from seeing your king. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. Ephesians chapter 6.14. Ephesians 6.14. Um, we're going like, to kind of walk through this armor stuff, like maybe a little bit each week. But that's where it says in the Bible that we should put on a belt of truth. You, when I, if I just say plumber's butt, no offense to plumbers in the room, but you know what that means, correct? Because you've seen it. I'm sorry to bring these horrific images back up to you, but like if there were ever people that needed as an industry to understand what belts do, it's plumbers, correct? I mean, like pull those pants up and buckle the belt. Belts hold everything in place, especially your jeans when you bend over well, in the Bible, this Roman outfit, this armor, the, the, the belt held everything in place. You know, we'll, we'll read later on in weeks to come about this, this breastplate of righteousness. Those things were heavy. They actually were notched so that you could hold them up and then they would rest on that belt. The sword would be in the, everything was about the belt. You want to know why people get beat up all the time in spiritual battles? It's because they're not grounded in truth, right? We study everything else, but we're not buckled with truth. Now, don't take, like, spiritually, some of us need to pull our pants up and put a belt on, right? It's like we're exposed. It's not pretty. So today, here's what I want to do. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see Jesus today that we got the rest of the time to talk about the enemy and his tactics you're reading the screw tape letters um, hopefully you're also reading the devotions because every now and then you read the screw tape letters and go I have no idea what that was about I think I'll read the devotion and hopefully you're reading the devotions and not also saying I have no idea what that was about right I'm hoping it's all making sense um, but we've got plenty of time to study the enemy but today I want to help you see the king I want to help you see Jesus. And here's why. Here's your big idea. If you're new here and you're like, what's the big idea? A big idea is me admitting that you're not going to remember most of what I say. But if you can remember this one sentence, this one phrase, you're good. Here's your big idea. When we see Jesus, we'll see battles differently. Seeing Jesus, we'll see battles differently. When we see Jesus, we'll see battles differently. 
So my role today, <laughs> I know you get sick of my sports references, but I can't help it. It's who I am. I want to do for you what Chip Kelly did for college football when he was at the University of Oregon. And here's what Chip Kelly did, okay? Just, just follow me. And I know if you're not in sports, just bear with me, okay? Chip Kelly was the coach at Oregon, at the University of Oregon. The University of Oregon Ducks. When your nickname is the Ducks, you better be good, right? It's like if you run a marathon in a pink tutu and you're a dude, you better win, right? Um, the Ducks, you know. Okay, so anyway, Chip Kelly, he's, he's, the, he's the coach there. And for years, if you played football, you already understand how this works. There's a, there's a quarterback and he's in the huddle and he's with the team and he is either listening on his headset for the play to be told to him or he's looking to the sideline and somebody on the sideline is touching their hat and they're this and they're that and they're doing all kinds of crazy hand motions, you know, go team, right? Well, Chip Kelly realized that in the heat of the moment with 18 to 20 year olds that are getting tired Sometimes it's really hard to see the signal or hear the signal because the crowd noise and not only is the coach touching the hat, but there's like 80,000 people behind him or 40,000 because one half and they're yelling and screaming and it can be hard. So he, he came up with an innovation and, and I think we've got a few of them. You can go ahead and show them at some of these. Um, they would hold up cards. That's your job, right? You're hired at the University of Oregon. They're like, what do I do? Hold up a cartoon. Okay, there's Rocky at the bottom. Uh, some, you know, crazy Philly fanatic. I think we have a few more. That's for all you Star Wars fans. That's a fro. <laughs> That's some serious hair right there, right? Um, listen, so the point of this was, was this. And, and, and hold the card up. And then no matter how much is going on around you, the players knew where to look. Everyone, if there's four sections on that card, every one of those images means something to the players on the field. It, it worked so well that one of his offensive linemen said it was brilliant because a tired 19-year-old can see that. That was a quote given to ESPN. Listen, in battle, how many of you recognize that we get tired? Show of hands. I would raise my hand, but I'm too tired, right? I get it. <laughs> So the funny thing is, like, what church has done in the past is we've said things like, well, let me help you memorize a gazillion scriptures. And there's, like, again, nothing wrong with that. Let me help you analyze the, the, the enemy so that you can recognize his, nothing wrong with that. But what the church has failed to do is just hold up a stinking sign of Jesus. Like, you're in battle. I want to be the guy this morning that's just, I want to hold up a sign of Jesus. I just want to do this the whole time. I'm good. I just want to do this the whole time, right? I just want to hold up Jesus. I want, I want you to see Jesus today. And if I can do that, if you can walk out of here today and go, you know what? The battle's still going on, and I'm definitely coming back next week because apparently that's going to really help me. But today, I see Jesus. If you'll see Jesus, you will see battles differently. So that's my role. My role today is to channel my inner Chip Kelly and, and do this. And then he went from the University of Oregon to, to Philadelphia Eagles. I think now he's not there anymore. Is he at San Francisco? I don't know where is he. I don't know. He's, but the system, so Chip Kelly may not have lasted well, but the system has revolutionized college football. Every team does it. Every team, including the Alabama, University of Alabama team that just 
lost a championship to Clemson. Clemson fans said, state fans said, ah, who cares? So um, let's answer three questions. Can we do that? Um, here's the first one. Where do we see Jesus? Where do we see Jesus? And we, we know we need to see him, right? I mean, did I, did I make that clear? We need to see Jesus in the battle. So where do we see him? Um, what I love, you see these scripture verses up here, Daniel 3.25. If you go back to Daniel 3, and there's going to be a lot of scriptures, just write them down. You've got plenty of stuff to, to, to study during the week. Um, lots of stuff to talk about in your community group. But Daniel chapter 3, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, you've heard of these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right, if you're a VeggieTales fan, Rack, Shack, and Benny. And, and they, get, they get thrown into the fire, right? Because they won't bow to the idol, the big humongous 90-foot statue that, that the king had made. They won't bow. And so the king throws them into the fire. He's so mad at them that he increases the heat of the fire so much that the people that throw him in the fire, them, they get killed. And then the king looks into the fire to check on how his barbecue is going. And he says this, I see a fourth man. He shines and appears like the son of God. If you are a VeggieTales fan, it's like this. There were four of them, and one of them was real shiny, right? <laughs> Where do you see Jesus? In the battle. In the fire. Matthew chapter 14. I'm not going to read all those verses. There's, the disciples are in the boat and there's a storm. Now listen, let's don't gloss over that, okay? Because we have storms. But when, when, when fishermen are in a boat and they think they're going to die... That's a real storm, right? Last night, Wendy and I watched a movie on Netflix, and it was about um, the 2004 tsunami in the Indian Ocean. I don't know if the storm was quite that bad, but that's a storm. And the disciples, Peter is a seasoned fisherman, are in the boat. The storm is going crazy. It's all around them. Jesus has sent them on ahead. He's praying. And Jesus comes walking. You've heard this. You've seen flannel graph or something. If you were in Sunday school, he comes walking on the water towards the boat. And, and here's the part I want you to get. The disciples don't see Jesus. They don't recognize Jesus. As a matter of fact, what they said was, I think it's a ghost. He's walking on the water. I think it's a ghost. And Jesus, like, no, it's not, it's me. And Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. And so if you, you know, you've heard the story. And so Jesus says, come. And there's something about the way Jesus said it, some of the authority in his voice that Peter's like, that's got to be him. He still can't see him. He doesn't recognize him. He steps out of the boat. Have you, have you seen this in the story? That when he stepped out of the boat and into the storm, he saw Jesus. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that he took his eyes off of Jesus and saw the waves. Last week you came to church. I hope this makes sense. I, I can't belabor the point. I got to move on. But last week you came to church and I said, I want you to see that you're already in a fight. What I want you to understand is sometimes we don't feel equipped to fight. We don't feel like we're the, like, God, if you're going to send somebody out, don't send me. 
But you know what allows you to see Jesus? The simple act of obedience that says, I'll step into the battle. And when he stepped out of the boat and his feet hit the water, just that simple act of obedience, suddenly he, he recognized Jesus. Where do you see Jesus? In the battle. Some of you are like, time out. I just want to take a break. You're so adorable. You're like a wide receiver looking over at the coach to get the play. And then the play starts. And as you're running your route, you forgot the play. The ball's coming towards you. You're like, going, like hold it. I just want to time out. We check that play again. Like, no, you're in it. You're in the fight, right? You're in that fight. You, you can't say to the defender, please don't hit me yet. They're like, okay, I'll wait. Bam, right? You're like me. Last week I told you, like, walking down the steps in the seventh grade. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a fight. Bam, and I'm out, right? One punch, done. You see Jesus in the battle. That's good news, right? So let's talk about what we'll see when we see Jesus. What will we see when we see Jesus? Oh, God, this is my favorite part. You're going to love this part. Tell the person next to you they're going to love this part. Tell them. It's going to be so good. It's going to be life-changing for you guys. What do we see when we see Jesus? Three things. One, a creator. We see a creator, right? Um, John 1.3 says that everything was created by him. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this, that all that we see was created by him and is held together by him. Okay, I'm, I'm doing a horrible job because you're not like, woo! Okay, so let me, just, let me see if I can explain this. No, you're good, you're good, you're good. I'm going to explain it in a way that's going to make you go, holy cow, that was good. Peter is in the boat. Jesus is walking to them on the water. What, you, what I have failed to recognize all of my life, and it's becoming a longer and longer life, all of my life, is this one simple fact. Jesus walked on the waves. Okay, let me try again. <laughs> it's good, it's good, you're good, you're good. We'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. I, I gotta warm you up a little bit, right? Crank that, crank that. So he walked on on the waves, these same waves that had seasoned fishermen cowering in fear. Those waves are going to kill us. Wait a second, hold up. Something's walking on them. Okay, when you can walk on the thing that people fear is going to kill them, you have authority. Colossians 1.17 says that in him, all things are held together. So here's what this means. I wish, oh God, I wish I could act it out, but I can't. So just pretend. It means that, just picture this. Every time, like the winds are going crazy, the waves are going crazy. And every time Jesus stepped, all of the cells and the molecules in the water, like somehow like whoop, gathered up under his foot and became solid. And then he picked his other foot up and whoop, in him, all things hold together. Whoop, and he's walking on the waves that they're afraid of. Okay, we're getting there because I heard one wow. Okay. <laughs> Man, you guys, you're making me earn it today. Come on. This is good stuff. So Jesus walks over the things that overwhelm you. You get that? You're in a battle and you're overwhelmed. Can I just tell you something? You should be. 
you're not, you're you. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean it in a bad way, but we're us. And we're in a battle against the unseen realm that has more power than we do. But they don't have more authority. Because our king does. And he walks over the things that overwhelm us. Second great point about this. Oh, I can't preach this one forever, so you got to get it the first try, okay? <laughs> no, pre- no pressure. Sorry, Kenny. Kenny's like, great, thanks a lot. I need that second, third example. Um, so here's, here it is. Is it possible that the storm you're in is the very vehicle that brings Jesus to you? Because that's what happened in this story. They were in the middle of a lake in a boat, freaking out in a storm, and Jesus walked on the storm to them. And we try so hard to get out of stuff. Is it possible that the very battle you're in is where you will have the revelation of your king? I think it is. What do you see when you see Jesus? You see a creator. Here's the second thing you see. Oh, this is so good. You see a redeemer. Okay, that's, that's a hard, it's, I said redeemer, but there's like so many R words wrapped up in that. So he's a, he's a, um, he's a redeemer, he's a rescuer, and he's a restorer. Let me see if I can, if I can get through this. And if, and if I can get through this part without notes, you're going to be like, Paul's on fire, right? Because there's gonna be four Greek words. There's, there's four Greek words that, that are, that, that is used in the Bible for redemption, okay? So we just have redemption, redeemer, but there's four Greek words um, that go along with this. And the first one is agorizo. You don't have to worry about spelling it, just agorizo. Agorizo means this. It means that you have been purchased from a slave market. Now, there's no way for me to, to explain this word without at least talking about slavery, and that's a horrible period for our world and our, for our country. But, I mean, this is how it worked, okay? Like, you were a piece of meat. And you stood up on a block, and people would grab you. You know, they would actually, they would actually examine your teeth. They would slap potential slaves, spit on potential slaves, just to see how they would react, because if they could stand there and not react violently, then they would be good for work. It was humiliating. And this first Greek word, agorizo, means that your king, your savior, came as a redeemer to rescue you from that, to, to, to pull you off the slave block. Listen, some of you, when Jesus stepped into our world, he stepped into a world that was 100% under slavery you you know why people do stupid things because they don't have a choice what did jesus pray on the cross father forgive them for they know not what they do they're slaves to sin they are slaves to this nature of sin they don't have a choice they are standing on a block and you have an enemy who is, who is in control of that moment and who has potential buyers coming around and looking at you. Buyers like alcoholism, porn addiction, anger, rage. I'm not good enough. I mean, these are real. They, they come and they inspect you and they, they harm you. And Jesus stepped into that as your redeemer and he agarizoed you. 
He, he got you out of that situation. He, he stepped into a slave market to be your redeemer. And then here's the, here's the second Greek word, ek agorizo. Ek means out. He, he didn't just come and go, yeah, get off the block and leave you in the slave market. He got you off the block to take you out of that situation. I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? I think the third word is lutro. Is that right? Does that sound right? Lutro. Lutro is um, if you were kidnapped and the kidnapper sent your family a ransom note, one, you would hope that your family cared. <laughs> and they would. They would care. I'm sure that they would, especially if there were dishes that needed to be washed, right? We would be buying you back. So if you got a ransom note and they said, hey, uh, you, you're going to have to, you know, lifetime chicken and nuggets at McDonald's. That's the ransom. If you... If you were going to buy them back, you'd have to pay the ransom. And lutro means that Jesus paid the ransom, the full ransom, the full ransom. And you know what he paid it with? Himself. He paid it with himself. We were bought with a price. We're no longer our own. We were slaves to sin, but now Jesus has agorizoed and ek agorizoed us out of that. We've been bought with a price. We're no longer our own. I think Titus 2.4 says that he purchased us with his blood. Lutro. And then the last Greek word is apolutrosis. Sounds like a disease. But this is my favorite one. Listen, apolutrosis means this. It means that Jesus paid the full ransom note for a reason. Here was the reason. To take you back. And restore you to where you once were. Okay, that was so good and you're just like, what? All right, so let's just flash back to last week. Again, if you're here for the first time, just go back and listen to part one. I'm not going to tell the whole story again. But I told you last week that when I go running and I hear dogs, and it's funny, I ran yesterday, I heard a dog barking. And the first thing I did was I looked and it was like, okay, chain fence, I'm good. So... Let's just use these four Greek words and let's put this into that scenario of when you're running, right? When you're running and you're a slave to something, right? So um, our, our, our sin basically did this. God created a world where um, we were free to eat from anything we wanted to eat. And then there was like this pit bull de- devil and God had him in a fence, right? Fenced area and, we're, and all is good, right? All is good. Just hang with me, Okay. We sinned and got put into the pen with the pit bull. Slave market. You with me? And Jesus came as your your rescuer, as your redeemer, as your restorer. And here's what he did. I love this. He pulled you out of that and he put you on the other side of the fence. He restored you to the place that you should have been all along. And then we climb back in. The difference between us and people that don't know Jesus is that they don't have a choice and we do, which makes what we do even worse. He has restored you to a place where you don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. Isn't that good news? Okay, so now the last question. How do we see Jesus? Is that it? I hope that's it. I'm going to check and make sure. Did I get it right? 
How do we see Jesus? Oh, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't go there yet. My bad. Last thing. Three ways that we see Jesus. A creator, a redeemer, and a king. Sorry, a king. You were so good to me. You were just like, I'm not going until he says it. We see a king. Two scriptures. Revelation. Revelation 19.16. He is king of kings and lord of lords. What I love about that picture is this is at the end of all time. And Jesus jumps on a white horse and he's coming back to earth. And he's not just a king. He's a warrior king. I love that, right? He's not like, because, you know, some kings are old and on a throne and they got a crown. They eat a lot of junk food. They're fat. They're not in shape. If they they had to fight, they have to have armies because they can't fight, right? Not your king. Not Jesus. He's already defeated Satan once. He'll come back and do it again. You serve a king who Satan's like, I got an idea. When Jesus comes as a baby, I'm going to get a big old stick and I'm going to beat him up with it. He called it the cross. And then Jesus said, I love that stick. I'm going to take it and beat you up with it. That's your king. He's a warrior. Revelation 19, 16. And then Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Says this, it says that every knee, because he was obedient to the cross, he's been exalted to the highest place and every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. Every, everybody say every. Every. Not just physical knees. Not just seen knees. Unseen knees. Every demonic knee will bow. Every diseased knee will bow. Every knee must bow. Now, creator, redeemer, king, um, show of hands. How many of you would like to see that Jesus? Let me see your hands. I was, I'm not going to be honest. I, I preached for 100%. I'm not sure I did, why I didn't get 100%, but I, I preached for it, right? I want to see that king. No strings attached. Like, you know, some of you didn't raise your hands because, like, I've been in church long enough to know this is a trick question. No, it's not. Like, I want to see that king. I want to see a creator, a redeemer, a king. I want to see that Jesus. If I'm in a fight, I want to see that Jesus. So here's the third question. How do we see him? How do we see him? Three ways. Three ways we see Jesus. Number one, we look up to him. Psalm 121, 1 and 2 says, where does my help come from? I look up to the hills and that's where my help comes from. Can I just, um, I'm going to give you the other two, and I'm going to come back to this first one. Is that cool with you guys? Here's the second one. First, we look up to him. Second, we lift him up. John 12, 32 says that if I am lifted up, Jesus is talking, if I'm lifted up, if I am lifted up like a play on the sideline of the University of Oregon, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. How do we see Jesus? We look up to him. We lift him up. Looking up to him is worship, lifting him up, believe it or not, that's community because you're lifting him up so other people can see him. And then here's the third way that you do it. You love him in others. Matthew 25, the end of that chapter, Jesus has told this long story about sheep and goats. <laughs> really long story, right? And the people that have been listening to it, he looks at one of them and said, one group and says, Great job, guys. Like, you've, you've done all this for me. And they were like, uh, quick question, Jesus. I don't think I ever saw you. I mean, I would recognize you. You're like, you got the robe and the beard and the halo, dude, thing. But so, like, 
I don't think I ever saw you. When exactly did we do that for you? And he said, when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. How do you see Jesus in a battle? You love him in others. That's service. Worship, community, service. If you've been at the gathering very long, those should sound familiar. When we started gathering, we said things like this. God, churches can get really busy, and we can. But if we're going to be busy, can we be busy about the right things? What should, the, what should we be busy with? And we, we decided, huh, I don't know. How about worship, community, service? If we did those three things, no matter how bad the battle is, guess, guess what we see? Jesus. So, let me see if I can wrap it up this way. Because if you're in a battle, <laughs> if, that's funny. Isn't that funny? If you're in a battle, <laughs> you're all in a battle. So when you're in the battle, and, you, and I'm in battles too, okay? So this is not me like sitting up in the, um, you know, where all the coordinators sit. And I'm just looking down at y'all going, oh, I, I hate it for them. Good luck. You know, I'm in it too, right? Like I'm living this with you. When, when we are in the battle, and you come to church, and you hear the preacher say, Hey, you want to see Jesus? Do three things. That's not very life-giving at all, is it? I mean, if we're honest, you're kind of like, I can barely breathe. Now you want me to do something, something else? What? So let's, let's just back up, okay? Notice the progression. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I'm God. Paraphrased. Shut up. Sit still. And see me. So at the gathering, we say this a lot. If you can only do one of those three, you should probably start with worship. You probably shouldn't look to add anything else onto that. If you can only do one of three, just do that one. And just just worship. Just come on Sundays. Enjoy the presence of God. Worship. Make worship a daily thing at your house. Be still and know that he's God. And if it took you years of just that to get through the battle, then that's cool. But at some point, you'll be ready to add community. You'll be ready to add service. And all of those help you see Jesus. And seeing Jesus will help you see the battle differently. The battle's still real, isn't it? Somebody's having a fight right now. I'm not going to lie, I thought they were coming here. <laughs> I saw that thing turn, I was like, they never turn there. The battle's real, right? Are they, they're not stopping, are they? <laughs> Next week we're talking about distractions. That was a great example right there, wasn't it? Um, the battle's real, okay? Don't, don't walk out of here thinking that what I just said to you was you need to do more to get out of it. No, you know what you need to do in the battle? You need to see Jesus. Just see Jesus. Just see Jesus. And when you do that, you'll see your battles differently.